0: Studio Tour 2 presents Deep Folk, Tales from the Generator. Deep Folk is a first-person adventure radio drama created using AI Dungeon Dragon Engine. Deep Folk Adventurers, and welcome to Brother Chili, Act 1, Episode 3 An Island in the Mist. You are Brother Chili, a fry brother from the religious order of fast food. You are fleeing the abbey where you have spent your whole life after uncovering a horrible plot to murder and take over from the previous abbot. You are on board a ship headed to the mainland where you hope to contact Chief Prangaman of the Neo New York Hot Dog Crime Squad. On board the ship however, mysterious goings on have been happening. The night before the body of a strange woman washed on board. She appeared to you in a steamy dream. The captain seemed to know something about her and you overheard him plotting to attack one of the local villages. This is where your adventure begins. Welcome to Brother Chili, Episode 3. As the morning presses on and the sun rises further above the water, the ship makes good time with the south wind blowing strong behind it. Soon, dark clouds gather in the distance. Carl shouts up to you from the deck. The captain has decided to hold a meeting in his cabin. I've decided that it's time to hold a meeting with the seven villagers, he says. Why? you ask. Because I think it's time they stopped fighting amongst themselves and started working together. You and Tom exchange surprised looks. I thought we were meant to help keep them in line, one of the sailors yells. And anyway, the fishing villages have been at odds with each other for centuries, Captain. How can we stop that? Another sailor asks. "...by bringing them under our wing. We're the only chance these people have against the Dawn and his goons." "...but the Dawn will kill us all!" shouts a sailor in the back of the crowd. "...he owns this tug!" "...look, I know it's a risk, but I think it's time we took the fight to him. We need to unite, or soon we'll all be working for him in slavery." The captain pauses and looks around at everyone. You suspect there's more to the situation than the captain or any of the other men realize. You never did find the pendant from the mermaid woman, but you think you understood its meaning anyway. You nervously step forward and hold up your hands. The room falls silent. Captain, the mermaid woman. Who was she, really? The captain looks at you and you see a brief flash of anger across his face. He takes a deep breath and exhales slowly. Aye, she was no stranger, Brother Chili. Then who was she? She was my wife. The room erupts into shocked whispers and a loud flash of lightning crashes outside the porthole. I thought you said she died at sea, says one of the sailors. She did die at sea, but not by my hand. She was killed by the Don's men when they sank my previous ship. Your mind reels from this information as you try to piece it all together. She. She was from the village Tin, wasn't she? You stammer. The captain looks at you and nods. Yes, she was from the village Tin. She was a good woman, and she didn't deserve what happened to her. But why didn't you tell us this before? Asks Tom. The captain looks down and seems to be struggling to find the right words. I... I don't know. I suppose I was just trying to forget about it all. But now that we're all in this together... I see no reason to hold back any secrets. I too am from Tin. I lived there with my wife peacefully, running a cargo ship to and from the Abbey Island, until one day, the Dawn's men came and destroyed my boat and murdered her, forcing me to work for him. They killed anyone who resisted. The captain pauses and looks around the room. So that's why you agreed to work for the Dawn in the first place? One of the sailors says. Yes. I had no choice. He had my wife killed, but I have been planning my revenge ever since. The captain pauses again and looks around at everyone. The storm outside is brewing, and the ship begins to heave back and forth on the rolling waves. Lightning flashes across the sky, and the winds begin to howl. You are all free to make your own choices. You do not have to help me, but I hope that you will. This is for me wife and the free people of the Seven Villages. Slowly, Tom steps forward and says, I'm with you, Captain. You have my ladle. Several others step forward as well, all giving their support to the Captain. This storm is gonna be a bad one. I'm afraid that this meeting has been long enough. We need to get back to work and we will discuss this matter later. Now, man your stations, the Captain shouts. You're about to leave when the Captain calls you over. Brother Chili, can I speak with you for a moment? Yes, Captain. She'd been dead for weeks, but now we find her body. You dreamed of my wife the night before her body appeared in the nets. Yes, Captain, I did. Do you have any idea what that might mean? I'm not sure, Captain, but Abbot Frank Furter said it's possible for some brothers to become, uh, bonded with souls in the spirit world. It's a rare gift but sometimes the dead will speak to us if we're open to it. I... I just never thought... So you believe that my wife's spirit is speaking to you? It's possible, Captain. Except... I'm embarrassed to tell you. In... the dream, I... I didn't just see her. We... um... The captain smiles. He's quite alright, brother. I was married to her. You're single. I have no claim over your dreams. Well... Thank you for understanding, Captain, you say. Yes, well, as I say, the body wants what the body wants. Just try to keep those idle hands out of your trousers and focus on our mission. The ship heaves portside and the captain shoulders past you and heads off up the stairs. You head back outside to the deck. It's dark as night and the sky is filled with lightning. You can barely see the rest of the ship through the torrential rain. The wind screams in your ears and you have to shout to the sailors next to you just to be heard. All hands on deck! You cry over the storm. Man the hatches! You stagger across the deck as it heaves back and forth. You head up to the helm where the captain is struggling to maintain control of his ship. The storm grows even more violent as he fights to guide the ship. You've never seen anything like it. It's as if the spatula of God is pushing down on you all, trying to squeeze your juices onto the grill. You just hope God doesn't think it's time to flip the paddy. It came out of nowhere, the captain shouts. We'll have to change course. You rush over to help the captain with the wheel. Between the two of you, you manage to change the ship's course just in time, but it's extremely difficult to maintain. You struggle with the captain for control of the wheel. Waves crash across the deck, sending a few unlucky souls down into the depths. The storm rages on for hours until finally... Just as you're about to lose all hope, the wind slowly begins to die down. The rain still pours, but the sky has lightened, and you can see a break in the clouds off to the east. Keep at our lads, the captain shouts. We're nearly through this. You look out across the deck and see a sailor come out of the hatch to the hold. He looks around in confusion for a moment before heading towards you. It's Brother Cola open, and he's as white as a ghost. Problem, brother, he says. What's wrong? you ask. Too many bubbles down below. You follow him down into the hole. Water covers the floor, and it's still rising. The storm's breached the hull. you say. We need to plug the hole before we sink. You and Brother Kola Open rush to find something to block the hole with, but the only thing you have that's even close to being suitable is some wood from a bunch of nearby crates. You and Brother Kola Open start ripping up crates for a makeshift dam while the water rises all around you. Hurry! shouts one of the sailors. The ship is turning sideways! You look through the hatch and see that it's true. Finally, you're able to block the hole, but the ship is almost completely on its side. You barely manage to climb up out of the hold. Above decks, sailors are grabbing anything and everything that isn't nailed down, including the sails, scrambling to stop the cargo from spilling overboard. For the moment, the ship seems stable, although hardly seaworthy. You head over to the captain, who seems to be muttering under his breath. He doesn't look up at you. You stare out across the deck towards the horizon, where a small patch of grey mist drifts by. Out here in the open sea, who knows what that could be? There's a slight possibility, however, it could be the island of Imor. You head over to the captain. Could that be the island of Imor? far off the starboard bow there? I'm afraid of that, he says, staring up at the furled mainsail. We could probably make it there, if we can manage to right the mast. Although, I'm not sure we'll like what we find there. What? What is it, Captain? You say, but he remains silent. What's on the island? Death, he reports, so quietly that a gentle wind might drown it away. Mostly death, but also... A shot at something greater, something that might help us all. Silence spreads from the captain's lips and seems to cast out across the water. After the chaos of the storm, a calm sleepiness creeps into your body. You start to drift off when suddenly your eyes wander to the jib sail and you swear that you can see faces in it. Smiling faces, twisting into hideous grimaces and tearing at the battered fabric. You know in your bones that what the captain has spoken is true. Somehow, you can feel the dead nearby. And then, the faces are gone. The captain gets to his feet abruptly and orders the crew to begin draining the hull. No time to rest if we want to survive this, he says. If we can get underway within the hour, we should reach the island by dusk. You help the crew patch up the hull and right the ship as much as you can, but you're all exhausted. Somehow the knowledge that the dead are nearby is even more exhausting than any menial job, but eventually the ship gets underway. As night begins to fall upon the ocean, you begin to see something looming out of the shadows ahead. The island of Imor. You aren't sure what the captain meant, but if you remember your history books, the island was once a ship graveyard for old world explorers As time went on, it also became a popular place to dump criminals and other unwanted things. The hairs on your arms stand on end as the boat slides noiselessly over the water towards the island. As you approach, you can make out a large shape just off the coast. A huge wreck, as big as a mountain, looms over a rickety old dock. The captain orders you to drop anchor, then leads a small team ashore in a rowboat. As the skiff is lowered into the water, he looks back to you and says, Come with me. Your skills may come in handy here. You nod and follow the captain into the rowboat. The team is small, just him, you, and two other sailors, Carl and Nate. As you approach the old dock, you can see the faint light of torches flickering from deep within the belly of the wreck. Someone else is on this island. You look back out at the ocean the hull of your ship just barely visible in the torchlight. It's strange to think that somewhere out there, beyond the edge of the torchlight, thousands of corpses are floating through the ocean. You shiver and turn back towards the captain who is staring ahead to the dock. You arrive and tie the skiff to the dock and you and the others climb out onto the creaking planks. The captain speaks in hushed tones. You two, find somewhere to hide and keep out of sight. If they don't know we're here, They won't hurt us. If they know we're here, well, I trust you both to know what to do. The two sailors nod and head off into the darkness, leaving you and the captain on the dock. You say, Captain, who's on this island? It's time I told you the truth, Brother Chili. I didn't want to scare you off, but the men here are involved with hot dogs. They use this place as a hideout, and they're probably preparing them nearby. If you would asked me a week ago, I would have said they were mostly harmless. But after hearing what happened back at the Abbey, I'm not so sure anymore. There were hot dogs back at the Abbey, made out of 100% human flesh, you say. Then you already knew. There may be more to you than I thought. Well, we best stay on our guard. Let's find what we need and get back to the ship. As you creep along the dock, you stare up at the shadowy hulk of the large ship dominating the small harbor. The torches flicker wildly, casting a strange light over the dock. You pause. There's something not right here. You can feel it. Brother Kelly, come on! The captain whispers, unaware of your sudden fear. You follow the captain along the dock, deeper into the island. After several minutes along an overgrown path, you come to a small hut. Captain signals for you to wait, and moves ahead slowly. He pauses at the door, and then slips inside. You look around nervously, and the mysterious feeling of dread increases. The torches seem to be getting brighter, and the shadows more menacing. You feel like something is watching you, and you're almost certain you can hear whispers now. Suddenly, the door to the hut opens, and the captain steps out. He looks up at you and nods, and you notice he is holding a small, brown, vial... There is some blood on his tunic. Found it, he whispers. Let's get out of here. You say, what is that vial? I thought we were looking for repair parts for the ship. I never said that. Now follow me. There may be more of them about. The captain turns and leads you away from the hut. You look back through the door of the hut and see a pair of legs sticking out and blood starting to pool on the ground. You shudder. You stalk off behind the captain along a winding path through thick underbrush. The only light comes from the torches attached to the massive skeletal hull of the ship off to one side. You're so focused on the ship that you don't notice the dark shadow ahead of you on the path until you nearly trip over the prone form. You lean down to see who it is and are horrified to find it's one of the sailors from the boat. Captain, look, it's Carl! Captain rushes over and looks down at the body. He checks for a pulse, but quickly realizes the man is dead. He's dead, the captain says, his voice grim. This truly is an island of death, you whisper. The captain bends down and takes something off the body. It's a small starfish on a delicate chain. He looks at you and says, I told you to keep this in your pocket. Well... See if you can keep hold of this. And he tosses you Carl's pistol. Now come on. You swallow hard and nod. The captain carefully puts the necklace in his own pocket. He heads off down the path, but you remain a moment, staring down at the man you once knew as Carl, now dead. You feel a bit of remorse, but mostly you are angry. Who could have done such a thing? You head off after the captain, and after a few minutes come up on him standing by the next victim. God, Lesterall. Nate, too. You stand beside the captain and stare down at Nate. He's lying on his back in the middle of the path, a large cutlass sticking out of his chest. You swallow hard and look away. The captain grabs your arm and growls. Quickly now. They know we're here. Back to the skiff. Together, you run back to the skiff. You hear a lot of strange noises coming from the forest around you. You run along the twisting path but have lost sight of the captain ahead of you branches slash at your face and tear at your robes but you keep going suddenly you step into a hole and fall hard to the ground you try to get up but you had the wind knocked right out of you you struggle to catch your breath and then you see them two demonic creatures are coming down the path towards you trying to keep hidden in the hole you raise your pistol and take aim but you're shaking too much to get a clear shot one of the creatures moves to the side and you can see him clearly now It is no demon, but a man in a strange robe made of fluted metal. His shadow dances out towards you in the torchlight, and soon the two men are almost close enough to touch. You have never killed before. Time seems to slow down. The man spots you and raises his saber with a murderous glint in his eye. You pull the trigger, and his head snaps back as the bullet slams into it. He falls backwards. The other man screams and charges at you with his sword raised over his head. You take aim at the swordsman, but your hands are shaking so badly you can't even get the pistol to go off. And then he is upon you. You drop the pistol and grab his sword arm, trying to force it away from you, but he is strong and the hilt of his sword slams painfully into your shoulder, sending your pistol off into the bushes. You try to wiggle free, but he has you pinned down and brings the blade down in a deadly arc towards your head. At the last second you slip backwards and both of you tumble into the hole, him on top of you. It's a struggle but you manage to kick him off and then with all your strength you jam the sword hilt into his face, breaking his nose in a bloody mess. You stagger to your feet and pull the sword from his grasp, then bring it down in a sweeping arc, its razor edge cutting through his metal uniform and biting deep into his chest. You hear more heavy footsteps coming down the path behind you and turn to see a large group of similar demonic-looking men, armed with pistols and swords. You drop the sword and hold up your hands. They quickly move to surround you and one comes forward with a pistol aimed at your chest. Drop the sword. I... I did. You stammer. Please, this is horrible. I never meant to... Silence, the man shouts. Before I shoot you, tell me what you people are doing here. I... I was just a bird watching... The man raises his pistol and points it at your head. You are terrified. Wait, please, I'm just a lowly fry brother. You beg. Your bloody hands are shaking uncontrollably, and you fear you might wet yourself. Is this how you will die? The man looks you over and says, A fry brother? You people are always liars. All of you deserve to be shot. Tell me what you're doing here and you'll have an easy death. A sound from the bushes catches the man's attention, and before you know what you're doing, you're off down the path, running for your life. Behind you, you hear gunshots and feel bullets whizzing by your head. You skitter around the corner behind a large rock and hear bullets slamming into the rock just behind you. You scramble up a small rocky embankment and realize that this is not the way you came. You can't go back, and judging by the direction of the path, it will lead you directly to the massive ship. It's risky. It's risky but there is probably more a chance of escape if you can hide out in the wreck until the captain may be able to help you. You sprint down the path and soon come across a strange sight. A platform is swinging from side to side on a long rope that descends down to the water next to the wreck. Is this some kind of zip line? You ask yourself. I've heard of these. Wow! You marvel at this machine for only a moment before you realize that you don't have much time. The men will be here any second. You look down at the wreck and see that you will definitely be spotted if you use this contraption, but you can see no better way to get back to the dock. You hop onto the platform and slam the lever down, releasing the clamps and sending the platform speeding down the line. The wind rushes up and tears at your hair and robes as you descend. You look down and see the water looming ever closer when suddenly there's a snap followed by a lurch and the platform stops suddenly nearly flinging you off. The men have spotted you and stopped the platform. The line starts retracting but the platform is stuck about halfway down with one side dipping precariously close to the treetops below. You're able to leap to a nearby bow and climb safely down to the ground. Through the underbrush you see the dock on one side and the huge shipwreck nearby on the other side. You run for the dock. You have just reached the tree line when you hear shouts behind you and see the forms of more demonic-looking men pushing through the bushes. You think about trying to hide, but there is nowhere to go in time. You see the captain in the rowboat and sprint towards him. By the time you reach the boat, the captain has already untied it and is standing behind launching it into the open water. He climbs in and takes the oars, rowing like a madman, back to the ship. After a minute, you and the captain clamber back up onto the deck where Tom and Brother Cola Open run up to greet you. What happened? Tom asks, his eyes wide with fear. The islanders killed poor Nate, you explain. We must get ready to fight. The captain walks over to you and grabs your shoulder. Relax, brother, he says. They won't come after us after they realize what we took. He holds the brown vial up for the crew to see. And even then... There's not much they will be able to do. As he raises the vial into the light of a torch, you gasp when you notice that the vial reads Coca-Cola. The captain grins and swallows the vial. They'll kill us all for this, Tom says, shaking his head. Nonsense, the captain says. This is the most valuable thing on this ship. It's worth more than your life. Isn't that right, brother? In your younger days, you remember reading about Coca-Cola, but it was a long time ago, and you'd almost forgotten about it until now. It was a drink from a faraway land, from the old country, made of exotic spices and pure cocaine, and said to have special effects. But it certainly wasn't for religious reasons that the captain drank it all just now. You say, But how can it be? Long ago, those islanders got it off a trader from the old country, the captain explains, clearly proud of his find. It's been blessed by their priests, for whatever that's worth. It's a miracle drink. Isn't that right, brother? Yes. The legends say that Coca-Cola grants the drinker irresistible powers of persuasion and charismatic certitude of an almost inhuman nature. But I thought we came here to repair the ship. The captain laughs and clasps you on the back, nearly knocking you over. (laughs) You'll fit in here yet, brother, he says. The ship is seaworthy or we wouldn't have got here, the captain barks. Now, man your stations and let's get out of here. The crew scatters to their stations and the captain goes back to the helm. You watch as the island quickly disappears into the distance. Then you head over to your assigned station, up the crow's nest. As you climb up, you notice the captain standing at the wheel, looking at the starfish necklace. You think about what the captain said. What is his motivation? Is he doing this all to unite the seven villages against Don Linoleum and avenge his murdered wife? If so, what happens when Don Linoleum is defeated? Will the captain then try to take control of the villages himself? And why did he bring the crew here? Carl and Nate are both dead. And for what? The captain seemed different after drinking the ancient brew. More focused, spiteful almost. You're not sure about all this. You may be a simple fry cook, but if there's one thing you've learned, it's that vengeance can be a bitter order to fill. You have been listening to Brother Chili, Act 1, Episode 3, An Island in the Mist, created by Malcolm Sutherland and written with AI Dungeon Dragon Engine. This episode of Deep Folk Tales from the Generator is a Studio Tour 2 production and was recorded in August of 2020.